Welcome to the Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. We're grateful that you're with us today, and we'd like to welcome our guest, Jerry Parker, founder, chairman, and CEO of Chesapeake Capital, a commodity trading advisory firm, CTA, in the futures market since 1988, with offices in Richmond, Virginia, Tampa Bay, Florida, and New York City. He speaks to us from their offices in Tampa Bay. Jerry, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks for having me. Jerry, uh, you are one of the original turtle traders uh, trained by the famed Richard Dennis in the mid-1980s. You've been a CTA ever since, and you trade in the futures market, which is what CTAs do. And you had achieved a certain notoriety in the 1990s from being the most high-profile turtle trader. And when uh, Equinox Funds, who sponsors your uh, Chesapeake uh, fund uh, told me about you. All they said was, well, he was one of the original turtle traders, as though that's all I ever needed to know here. So I'm sure many of our listeners have not heard of turtle traders, or they don't know much about them. So give us a couple of minutes on Richard Dennis and the turtle traders, will you? Sure. Thank you. Um, so I was a in the accounting profession in Richmond, Virginia in 1983, wanting to get out of the accounting profession as soon as possible and do something more fun. And I had taken on as a hobby and a possible voca- uh, profession. I wanted to become a trader or, you know, of course, being involved in the stock market. That was logical. My um, it was a logical goal. And I was reading books and magazines and following the Zweig forecast, which had a little bit of trend following and risk control and money management in, in that uh, <clears throat> newsletter. And then all of a sudden I see an ad in the Wall Street Journal. Richard Dennis, famous commodity trader, wants to hire some trainees and teach them how to trade, um, give them a million dollars of his own money to manage. And uh, so I applied. Everybody who applied, 1,000 people in 1983, received a true-false test, 100 um, true-false questions, and then uh, five questions that you had to answer in one sentence. And I carried this test around, and I felt like I did pretty well on it. I sent it back in, got an interview, went to Chicago, and I had that experience of a two, two or three-week trading course. And then in January 1984, uh, we started trading for Richard Dennis using his methods and managing a million dollars. And you did that with only two to three weeks training? He must be one heck of a tra- tra- trader and trainer. That's right. R- systematic rules. We had to follow the rules. The point of the training was to get us well-versed on trend following and portfolio construction in the futures markets, currencies, commodities, stock indexes, bonds, uh, U.S. only, one of the mandates was um, to follow the rules, and uh, the I, I think um, the Christmas party, there was an oral final, final exam question that we were asked, 
if rich is long soybeans and you hear about it, and but uh, according to our approach and the rules, you should be short soybeans, what do you do? And, of course, the answer was to be short soybeans. And uh, it was a very um, amazing environment of lots of positive feedback and just follow the rules. If you follow the rules and make money, um, that's great. If you follow the rules and lose money, that's fine. But if you don't follow the rules and you don't and, and you do make money, then uh, that's not good. So it was um, not like trading uh, for clients in the real world. It was a very great environment of positive feedback, encouragement, do the right thing, do the hard thing, follow these rules, and um, and we did. We probably as a group averaged about 150 percent a year for four years well uh you know not bad there i i first read about turtle traders i think uh in michael covell's book on trend following and uh i i've always wondered how did it play out was yours the only class did richard dennis do this for some time uh did you guys stay in touch with each other and did many of you become successful i know you have but uh, did others become successful and how long did it last here well, it lasted four years, and uh, the next year, in, in the fall of 84, Richard Dennis uh, did it again, ran the ads in the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, got another 1,000 applicants, um, and uh, ended up hiring eight people. So the first group was 12, that was my group, and then the next group was eight. So it ended up being 20 total traders in one room in Chicago. And we do keep up with each other. Uh, some live here in Tampa, and some still in Chicago and all around the country. Are they still in uh, the yeah. trading business, I'm not the like only one you? Who had a successful business, of course. Really? Okay. So, uh, well, very interesting. Well, thanks for for uh, sharing that with us. And I know you guys are fairly famous. I'm not exactly sure why, but. Uh, uh, you know, you mentioned turtle traders in the trading industry. Uh, people seem to know what, what it is here. So tell us now about Chesapeake Capital, will you? Sure. So Chesapeake uh, started in 1988, right after the turtle program. And we just carry forward some of the same ideas. Our leverage is a lot lower. Um, we are not trying to make 150% a year. We're trying to make 15% a year. We're um, in the mutual fund business with our trading system, um, trend following, and currencies, commodities, stocks, bonds, all around the world, longs and shorts. So the typical managed futures program, 100% systematic and computerized, but with much lower fees now. So in the early years, when I started, uh, we were making two and 20, and it was a lot of, lot of leverage, and now it's sort of evolved into um, much less leverage, a normal sort of boring investment with lots of diversification, lots of risk control, no more incentive fees, um, and really set up uh, for the average person who likes to diversify their portfolio away from just the stocks and bonds. So, Jerry, tell us, uh, briefly describe your investment strategy for our listeners, will you? It's, it's trend-following, correct? Yeah, I like to call it trend-following plus nothing. So we don't try to add anything to it, uh, no mean reversion or short-term trading or pattern recognition, none of the uh, typical things that you might add to 
sort of smooth out the trend following ups and downs and currencies, um, commodities, all the different commodities, energy, grains, metals, interest rates, and even some single stocks. We are one of the few managers who manage um, single stocks and we don't trade any indices. So for the 25% of the portfolio that's allocated to long short equities, we actually go out there and um, use the individual names. Okay, and and tell us, uh, what do you think, Jerry, are the keys to successful trading, now that you've done it for these low many years here? Yeah, now that I've made lots of, lots of mistakes, I can definitely uh, say that, um, it's, from my point of view, I remember asking Richard Dennis this, you know, what, in the middle of the class in 1983, I would just walk up to him in the middle of a break and say, what are the mistakes that we're going to make? And he said, well, primarily two. One is uh, too much leverage. That's that's always an issue, and I've been guilty of that before. Um, not following your systems, of course, is is um, an easy one that everyone, you know, we're not computers. And early in my career, I, I sort of sat in front of a quote machine and tried to implement rules, and I was not perfect at always doing the trades that I knew I should do. And then when the leverage is too high and you're risking too much, that puts further pressure on you to do the systems or not, actually not do the, the system trades because you're kind of worried if you lose more money, what's going to happen. So I think those two things, following your systems and not trading too large, are sort of universal concepts as um, for successful trading. Okay, and Jerry, you've you've talked to hundreds, if not thousands, of investors and potential investors about investing into the futures marketplace. What misconceptions of investing in the futures marketplace, or just investing, period, by investors have you typically seen? Well, just I would be, I would call it more CTA type investing. I think in, you know when you invest with CTAs. You should uh, do that. Uh, put a lot, put a four or five CTAs into your portfolio, even if they're all trend following. I think that's fine. But I think that um, when looking at this as an investment, people have a tendency to think that stocks somehow are superior to uh, this this strategy, and I don't think that's the case. The stock trends that I've seen over 35 years are no better or worse than the commodity trends, bond trends and currency trends. So there's really no uh, opportunity cost or loss for diversifying. It really is a free lunch, and uh, a good CTA investment can make that possible for you. Um, Of course, most people will recommend a 5 or 10% allocation of your portfolio to CTAs, but we build the fund and the program to... um, put all of our money in it and it's it's uh, what i would consider to be the perfect portfolio and not just the perfect portfolio hedge now recently of course stocks do look like they are very superior to uh ctas and in the markets other markets that we trade uh but over the short term of course this can happen but i think in the long term it it is um a great safe investment um even though futures may have sort of a scary scary term be a scary term for some people. Um, we're pretty well schooled on taking small losses and following the trends and diversifying. And you really can't, in my opinion, get much safer 
to what we do. Okay, well, Jerry, thank you. We need to take a break here. When we come back, let's talk about the differences you see between trading today and trading when you started Chesapeake in 1988. Again, we're talking with Jerry Parker, founder, chairman, and CEO of Chesapeake Capital. Again, one of the original turtle traders. You're listening to Strategic Investor Radio and OC Talk Radio, and we'll be right back. All right, time for our tip of the week. What do you have for us today, Charlie? Thank you, Paul. We're talking with John Kosar, Asbury Research. They provide research reports and market signals to subscribers. So, John, we're in July, and that's kind of in the middle of uh, sell in May and go away pattern. What pattern do you see going forward? What kind of advice do you have for investors? Well, this is one of the most interesting times of the year if you're looking at seasonality. And keep in mind, seasonality is simply statistics. We look at a certain asset, whether it's stocks or bonds or whatever it might be, and we see if during certain times of the year you might see the price of the asset go up or down. So the first two weeks of July, which just ended, are seasonally the two strongest weeks by far of the entire third quarter in the S&P 500 based on data going back 60 years. From there, seasonally, again, this is 60 years of data, and it's on average, you get a progressively weaker S&P 500, and that weakness actually accelerates through Labor Day and into the end of the month. So things really start to turn south statistically once we get into September. What do you think that that means for investors? Do they sell or are they just more careful? What does it mean for? No, I would look at this as a blinking yellow light on a dark road rather than a stop sign. We tell our clients is when you know there's a seasonal tendency for a certain asset to do something, take stock of what you have. See what indexes you hold. Are you holding the S&P, the Dow? And ask yourself the question, should something turn south here? Should something turn the market where it starts to go down? Where do I want to get out? Or what do I want to put in place so I'm not making a decision when the pressure's on and I wake up some morning and the S&P is down 15 or 20 points or something geopolitically happened? So this is when you should really look at what you have and have an escape plan. Hopefully, you don't have to execute it, but this is when you should be planning for the worst and hoping for the best. So, John, excellent advice. Uh, For those who would like to know more, where can they go? The best place to reach out to us is go to our website. It's asburyresearch.com, A-S-B-U-R-Y, research.com. There's a contact tab there. Send that to us right from the website, and we can offer you some sample copies and give you a little bit of information about what we do for subscribers. John, thanks for joining us today, and congratulations on that new granddaughter. Thanks, Charlie. And now back to Charlie and his guest. Thank you, Paul. Again, we're talking with Jerry Parker, founder, chairman, and CEO of Chesapeake Capital, one of the original first-term turtle traders, uh, and has been a CTA um, with his own firm, Chesapeake, since 1988. So uh, since 1988, uh, Jerry, the world has gone through a ton of changes, primarily through technology. Uh, What differences do you recognize and see today between trading in 1988 and trading in 2017? Well, in, 2000, in 1983, 84, we started with, uh, we probably traded 20, 25 markets, mostly commodities and a couple of bonds and a stock index. And then fast forward to 2017, we're trading 100 markets, lots of bond markets all around the world, currencies, 
and a few more commodities, I would say. Uh, do you like that better? Is that an improvement, do you think, for the investor? Oh, oh yeah, of course. That's going to um, keep the volatility a little bit lower. Even though a lot of these markets are sort of correlated, um, it's still better to, to trade them than not trade them. And, yeah, so I think that's a, a, a big positive. I think on the negative side, there are a lot of traders, computers, trend followers, people who are trying to take advantage of trend followers and the trend. Um, and so the markets are, let's just say, choppier and more whipsaw. And so you'll get a long-term trend that may last for a year or two, but it's probably not going to be as smooth, straight-up shot like it would have been in the 70s and 80s. So I'm sort of paid to navigate that and figure that out and stay in and be long-term enough um, to not get knocked out. But then when the trend reverses, I can't be a pig and stay too long and lose because some of these reversals can be pretty violent. And um, they can you can <clears throat> give back a year's worth of profits in a few weeks if you're not careful. So it's a pro, some pros and cons. Obviously, electronic execution and commissions and slippage. Now the cost of trading is lower these days. Competition is tougher. But certainly longer term is... Uh, short-term trading like we used to do in the turtle years and um, so in my opinion sort of stopped working in the late 90s so you're trading more longer term these days that's right okay so what could we say is is the typical or average uh, staying period for your positions so I would say about a year um, some of these trends have a tendency to last for a year or two so we're fairly long-term, and, you know, if you sort of put up a 200-day moving average or a 300-day moving average on your screen, you would sort of uh, see the sort of time frame I'm talking about. So if the market is above the 200-day moving average, we would be long, and if it goes below the 200-day moving average, we would liquidate that long and possibly go short. So something along that time frame, 200-day average, 200 50-day moving average. So fairly long-term, you just have to be more bold and more willing to sit through some uh, uncomfortable days in order to capture the trends that we still see today. They're just harder to capture and psychologically harder to sit through that type of um, open trade profit give back. You know, Jerry, uh, managed futures, uh, they always sound great because they have uh, very low, if any, correlation or possibly negative correlation with the S&P 500, uh, which over the past few years has not been an advantage, but at some point it will become a significant advantage. And in 2008, during the market meltdown, uh, managed futures did, did very well. However, five of the last six years, managed futures, <laughs> I don't need to tell you, have really really struggled. And uh, leaders in managed futures, such as uh, your firm, uh, still have not hit uh, average uh, double fi figures here, the, the, the leaders. And obviously, the, the rest of the pack has done much worse. So what do you see changing uh, that will increase the trends to allow you to either be long or short and catch trends that apparently haven't been there over the past five to six years. That's right. You described it perfectly. <clears throat> the Fed, the fundamentals, the lack of inflation, almost um, 
since the Great Recession, all those things, whatever they are, that cause stocks to do very well uh, have caused a great calm in, in the commodity markets and in the currency markets. So, unfortunately, we need something to break that calm and see more inflation, I guess, and sort of return to the typical markets that we saw before the Great Recession. <clears throat> so it, the people who have thought it wise to diversify in the currencies and commodities and have short trades, you know, they've been punished. Uh, diversification has not been rewarded. So we just keep telling people the same thing. Well, one of these days, you know, you're nervous. Uh, it seems that people are very nervous about the stock market, and it's hitting a new high today. So uh, Wall Street's nervous, uh, the bankers are nervous, but it just um, that doesn't really mean a lot, I guess, because when the market decides to keep going up, it's going to. But we are still um, touting the safety of longs and shorts and lots of different markets, not just stocks. But it's, it's difficult, and one of these days will be proved right. We'll see if we have any clients left. <laughs> That, that's the challenge. So you talk to people, you, you have for 35 plus years, as you mentioned, running Chesapeake. You talk to people all the time, if not every day, uh, about um, why they should be investing in the futures marketplace. So give us th- your, your 30 second pitch on why you think investors should be investing some portion of their assets in the futures marketplace. Diversification, risk control, lack of correlation with uh, traditional assets. It's a very safe portfolio uh, to be long, short commodities, currencies, interest rates, and stocks that pay attention only to the price trends. Sometimes the fundamentals seem so outrageous that you know, we can't uh, rates can't keep going lower. Well, CTAs were the only ones dumb enough to stick with a long uh, bond position over the past few years um, because all we were doing was following the prices. And so sometimes following prices and the trends, it makes no sense. The fundamentals seem to dictate other an, another uh, position, but sometimes uh, what we do actually works. And then, of course, usually currencies have good trends and stock and commodities have good trends, long and short. <clears throat> so, you know, the CTAs were once again the ones who got short oil around 90 and sat with that trade until, you know, it rallied off the lows of 20. So it's a great investment, um, but it doesn't feel right and work out right for most people when the stocks are doing so well and you can basically have your stocks managed for almost free in an index fund. Why should I pay you? And these other markets seem awfully weird and they're not doing anything. So it's gets to the bottom line of what is long term what is short term is two or three years or four or five years is that long enough to write off what used to work for 30 or 40 years probably not so just be thankful all of you people who did not invest unlike me over the past four or five years now um you can diversify your portfolio and um it's probably a better time than not Okay, Jerry. So, Jerry, a question we like to ask all of our guests, what keeps you awake at night? Well, honestly, I, you know, nothing is perfect. And so even though I have touted diversification and longs and shorts, sometimes the markets 
there is no diversification to be found. So <clears throat> there have been periods in the past where this, the portfolio is all the trades act the same. And usually it's when we're, lo- we're losing money. I wouldn't be complaining if all of the trades made money. But sometimes um, the portfolio, even though it's diversified, it, uh, there is not a lot of diversification to be had during some extreme periods. So <clears throat> obviously the world, uh, North Korea and um, all of the craziness in the world sometimes, I often wonder if I'm going to wake up one morning with a portfolio that has a correlation of one, every single position is against me. Um, so, you know, that's, that's obviously something a risk manager thinks about. And as careful as you can be sometimes, there is no, there's nothing you can do. It really just speaks to the whole idea of diversifying to many different strategies, your home, your real estate, your stocks, and your CTAs. Yeah, Jerry, you're not the only one to be concerned about those things, uh, believe me. So second question we'd like to ask our guests is, what book on investing would you recommend for our listeners? I like uh, a lot of books. Uh, Like I said, I got my start in 1983, 82. I would watch Wall Street Week and Marty Zweig and the Zweig forecast. And so Marty Zweig books, Winning on Wall Street has just got to be a classic. I love um, the interviews of famous traders, the Jack Schwager books, um, Market Wizards. You can learn a lot from um, traders and smart people. And just like evidence today, um, smart traders, successful traders will say things and give out some good ideas. And I think reading books like that, you know, people have a tendency to say too much and give away some really good secrets. So um, The Black Swan, Fooled by Randomness, Wisdom of the Crowds, all good books. Okay. All sort of trading books philosophical books. I think one of the most important things is to get your philosophy down, uh, your worldview of trading. What do you really believe? Hone that down. Learn from others. Um, add things to your your um, your philosophy. Get rid of things. Make, make it yours. And books and people and magazines, these all have helped me over the years to get my basic philosophy down of what I truly, truly believe is important. And, yeah, so that's, that's the type of books that I would focus on. Okay. Thank you. And we've had uh, Jack Schwager's books uh, recommended many times by different people. Uh, so provide your website and contact information here, will you, Jerry? ChesapeakeCapital.com. It's all the information in the contact is right there, Richmond, Virginia. Um yeah, so you can find out as much as you want about Chesapeake from that, that website. Um, now, I will say as an added benefit, if you really are glutton for punishment, you may want to follow me on Twitter. I tweet a lot of interesting uh, trading articles with a little comments about trading, and probably most of you would want to ignore the politics of the sports tweets, but RJ Parker Jr. 9 is my Twitter handle as well. Okay, thank you, Jerry. Well, we don't often have people recommending their their uh, their Twitter account, so I appreciate that. So, final words for our listeners here. 
I would, yeah, I thought about this. Um, I just think that uh, I'm, a, I'm an accountant by trade, a CPA, conservative. That sounds odd. Being in the futures markets, I would just say that um, 2008 taught us a great lesson, which is the world can be a crazy uh, place that doesn't feel very safe. So diversify, take small losses, pay attention to the trend in your own personal investments, and have a portfolio of four or five CTAs um, because a, an investment like the S&P, although it's good, it still is about 8% with a 50% drawdown. So I don't know too many people who want to wake up and see half their money gone. So diversify, regardless of how great stock performance is. It's not magic. Lots of other markets are just as good. Jerry, thank you very much. We appreciate all of that, and uh, especially in regards to the futures market, which so many investors uh, do not have a a real uh, great knowledge of. So, Jerry, thank you for joining us today and giving us the benefit of your insights here. My pleasure. Thank you, Charlie. So, again, we've been talking with Jerry Parker, founder, chairman, and CEO of Chesapeake Capital out of Richmond, Virginia, Tampa Bay, Florida, and New York City. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com, and you can go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright, wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host, Charlie Wright, or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial, investment, tax, or legal professionals prior to investing. Thank you.